Hey there, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of MBAs Unplugged. I am your host, Fej McDermott, and let's kick things off for today, Monday, April 20th. So with today being, of course, 420, this is going to be a very special episode where we'll be joined by a very special guest that I'll be announcing sooner in the show. Uh, but just to run through everything, this episode is being taped today, as well as being distributed today. So this is the first time that I'm attempting any of this. Uh, but let's just jump straight into our program office announcements that we have here. So from the program office, we have two announcements, one for today, April 20th, being a virtual coffee with the deans from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, so those should be on your calendar invites, and you can access that via Zoom link if you want to engage with the deans and ask some questions about anything going on with the program office. Uh, other than that, tomorrow at 12.30 p.m., there is a student organization officers training for working with career services. This is the first session of that. I think there will be a second session hosted later on in the week. Um, not sure who's supposed to actually go to those trainings besides people who are uh, presidents or officers in their respective organizations, but uh, make sure that if you think you're supposed to be there, just join anyway. Um, other than that, we have uh, one announcement for club announcements. This one comes from the Marshall Cannabis Industry Club, uh, a uh, blunt rolling and joint rolling 101 training going on from, uh, uh, first one is at 345 with uh, blunt rolling 101. And then at 405, there is a joint rolling 101. And then from uh, starting from 420 to 5 p.m., they will, they, they will, I guess, enjoy their, uh, <laughs> well they're able to do their roles so actually that's it for the announcements so we can jump we can do much more time with the actual interview portion and so uh, I will now introduce the new president of the very newly formed Marshall Cannabis Industry Club uh, Peter Casper hey there Pete <laughs> hey how's it going <laughs> good how are you doing doing pretty well glad to be here thank you start starting off the holiday early or anything like that no, no, no. Uh, unfortunately, I got a whole day of work to get through. Um, then hopefully I'll be able to get elevated with, with my entire club at 420. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we're on a couple uh, projects together that we're still sort of slugging our way through. So. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got, we got some stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> got to work hard first and then we can get to the fun stuff later, I'm sure. Work hard, play hard. Okay, so the way this show is going to go, go is going to be a little different than how we've done in the past. And uh, so this will be the first time people are actually seeing this new format of having different sort of uh, guest segments. So you have uh, five segments to choose from, uh, but one sixth one that is special to the holiday that is pretty much already chosen for you. Uh, so the special one that you're going to do is going to be name that nug. Uh, so with it being 420, <laughs> I'm going to select a few strains that I found on the internet and describe them to you and see how well you can do at actually matching those up with the proper names. Um, Goodness. From the other ones, you have about five choices to choose from. And that is, this is the first time I feel like I explain them all. Florida Man Birthday, where we take your birthday and type in Florida Man on Google and see what crazy articles pop up with that. Uh, two being soundboard research. So I am trying to develop my own soundboard, but rather than actually like uh, just finding one off the internet, I figure why not help my, why not have my guests help me sort of select all these different sounds. So I would find four different sound clips online and just give you the option of which one sounds the best that you think would go well on my soundboard. Uh, three would be a trivia, which would be based on pretty much 
anything that I know about you, I mean, obviously if we did trivia, it would just be weed trivia. So just <laughs> 420. Um, so no, no just surprises the there. Yeah. Uh, song blitz, which would be me playing two seconds of a song and you can take one guess at that. If you can't get that, we go to four seconds and six seconds. And then I think outside of that, you get like one extra hint to sort of, help you clue in on the actual like decade or artist name. Um, but we would do that. Or will you press the button, which is pretty much almost like a monkey paw sort of conundrum where you get one benefit, but it's at the expense of another. So it could be stuff as simple as you had the power of flight, but you can only fly six inches off the ground or something much more, uh, <laughs> much more uh, tough to choose between, I think actually. Um, some good options. Yeah. So since name that nug has already been chosen for you just because you don't have a choice with not doing that one uh <laughs> what are what other ones were, were intriguing to you oh man really the florida man birthday and the the will you press the button i feel like i've done florida man birthday before but it could honestly like it was years ago and i could have some really crazy new ones <laughs> there could, that time there could certainly be new ones <laughs> who knows what happens in florida um oh my gosh we can't do both of those, can we? Um, for the sake of time, I feel like we should just stick to one. All right. All right. I'm interested. Let's do the will you press the button. I'm interested to see uh, what you come up with. Okay. Well, it's not me coming up with this. This is the site. So don't uh, any of that on me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Unfortunately. Let's see I, what happens. With that whole archive, I was like, I'm not even going to try to reinvent the wheel here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll start off with uh well we'll start with boy press the button and then uh halfway through the show we will take a break to do the name that nug segment how's that sounds sounds good to me perfect so luckily i have the way press that button site already up right here prepared so let me just pull up a good one sometimes there's some weird duds or they're just like <laughs> they're just oddly sexual and i'm just like i don't think that's all right <laughs> a little, little too uh public then yeah. Um, no, that one's not fun. So next one. <laughs> um, this is an odd one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you will never have to cut your hair again, but everything Relevant. you say is sung. Do I have a good voice? Uh, I'm guessing it's the voice you have now. Oh, <laughs> <So> that's, <laughs> that could be that's polarizing. Up to, that's up to you. Um, <laughs> you speak only in song. Uh, so, so say the full thing. You will never have to cut your hair again. So I'm guessing you get it to where you want it to be, and then it's just. You think uh, like the way I'm good. thinking about it is like you can willfully like have the hair wherever you want it. Okay. And every you speak in song. That's the yeah, I would absolutely do that. You would press the button. I would, I would, yeah, I'd press, I'd press the hell, hell out of that button. <laughs> All right. Well, you're in the minority because apparently only 35 percent of people press that button. <laughs> I have a terrible. I think I have a terrible voice too. But I imagine if I had that long to train it, it would at least get to a point where it sounds semi decent. I just think about like how much I talk in a day and just having that all be song. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd have many friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm really imagining that I'd get to a point where my my voice sounds good eventually. Um, chances are that I'll probably still be breaking breaking windows. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the second one. This one could be tough. 
So you have a chance to win an infinite amount of money, but there's only a 50% chance that you win. And if you don't win, you don't get any money for two years. Uh, no, no pressing the button. No? Not going to press. Yeah, I'm going to withhold. I'm going to abstain from doing that. You wouldn't just like kind of live off your mom and dad for two years if you fucked uh, it up? No, <laughs> I, I've already gone through that experience and I do not enjoy it. I'm gonna <laughs> not, not worth it. <laughs> not worth All right. Well, that time you were in a majority. 57% of people. Oh, sorry. Is... No, you're, you're a minority again. 43% wouldn't. Ah, I see a trend. <laughs> that is not as big of a spread as I thought. I think I would just hit it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, while I'm in school and poor anyway, like, okay. Yeah, well, I guess if, like, your your options are already <laughs> doing what you're doing, then, like, it's like, oh, free chance to get money. Yeah. <laughs> Just take out more student loans. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. Cheat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a later problem, right? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, this one's tough. Ah, okay. So... You get super intelligence, a perfect memory, and psychic powers, but Whoa. your muscles become too weak to move. So you're pretty much like Stephen Hawking, but with like even, even better apparently. Whoa. Uh, but I can like communicate. I can. I'm assuming you communicate. Like, I'm thinking of like a sort of like you're like somewhere between Professor X and Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would hit that button. Yeah, I would definitely hit that button. I mean, like your contribute, like your body's only going to last so long anyways. I mean, it really comes down to like what you're able to create with your, with your mind, with your brain power. So just maximize that. And if you can still communicate, then yeah, let's, let's change the world, man. <laughs> communicate and then eat through a breathing tube. <laughs> yeah, whatever, tube. whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, so that's, you, you just, you just pick all the ones where you're always in minority here. So 41% of people. Said they would also press the button with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so we'll do one more. That's one stupid. Yeah, it's a stupid one. There there, there are just some ones on here that are stupid. Um, Can you read me a stupid one? Oh, the the stupid one before was (laughs) you gain 10 IQ points, but you lose three inches of height. Eh. Which is 10 IQ points even that much? I have no idea. Uh, eh, Yeah. (laughs) eh, That's a stupid one. I told you. (laughs) um and so for the last one i have for you is you get the ideal body you've always wanted but you died 20 years earlier oh no 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 hard easy 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 pass yeah it's an easy pass well that time you're in the majority (laughs) ah nice (laughs) i think i think 20 was the real like sort of like deal breaker there yeah, that's a lot. I mean, like again, like your body's not only gonna last so long, anyways. I'm pretty sure I'm on the declining part of that right now. Well, what if you had like a body that was doomed to die at like 60, but then if you had the ideal body, you're like a superhuman living to like 120. So you're so like a, you're living at you're actually getting 40 years. Right? Oh, so by like by like optimizing your health, you're extending yeah. your 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 time length, but. Just twenty minus plus sixty minus twenty. Yeah. Interesting way of looking at it. Just another. Just not, it doesn't go into that specifically. I'm just sort of yeah, read between another, the lines here. Yeah, just another perspective <laughs> to add. That's the NBA way, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's every everything. There's no clear answers ever. It's always a, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it always depends. like a mixture. It always it depends. depends. <laughs> Best answer to any sort of NBA discourse. Well, it really depends. 
insulting question. Good Lord. All right. Yeah. So that does it for the, will you press the button? Thank you for joining on that first segment there. And Happy again, to be here. We'll, we'll go through the name that lug later in the show. Name that nug. Well, <laughs> can't do worse today. It's too early. Uh, but uh, Moving on to the, uh, your portion of the show. I want to start off by getting to know a little bit more about you pre-Marshall. So uh, tell me something more about like where you grew up, where you went to school, and sort of more about your undergrad career uh, before deciding on uh, exploring business school opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually was born in Tokyo um, back in 1992. My whole family moved there in the late 80s and kind of stayed there for about five years due to a really um, favorable tax arrangement with the U.S. government. Yeah. Um, for kind of work situations involving law. Uh, my dad's a patent lawyer, so most of his clients are all in Japan. And um, so my, my family would always kind of go back and forth between there. And we ended up moving back to D.C. in 95. Um, so I grew up in Washington, D.C. I am the youngest of three. And yeah, mostly kind of just grew up going to school in like the private D.C. area. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very kind of like, preppy and a lot of it's like pretty elitist too i mean it's um is that where the one school like gonzaga is or something yeah gonzaga gonzaga is like in our league or so yeah and like all those other schools like georgetown prep uh landon like all those ones are like really big in that area and no tj <laughs> no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mean that that was a really big driving driving force i mean Growing up like an all guys school was definitely interesting and made going to like undergrad and, and joining the rest of the world definitely a transition to kind of go through. Um, but it, it was a really rewarding experience. Um, so I mostly like grew up there playing a lot of competitive tennis and really just kind of found myself gravitating towards math from an academic standpoint. Um, and after I graduated, I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas and ended up pursuing a double major in applied mathematics and finance. And I, I started out doing biomedical engineering and quickly learned that science was not, did not really um, come naturally for me. <laughs> Got the the way math part, yes, but not the science part. Yeah, for some reason the math was like the only thing I was like, oh, I know I like math, but what else do I like? I'm like, okay, I like, I like building relationships. I like people, so that's business, right? And where does that intersect? Oh, finance. Cool. Let's just do keep doing math and then we'll just kind of do the finance thing, which is the closest next step. Yeah, a little bit of a pivot there. Exactly. Um, so I ended up doing that. And so I graduated with a double major and really enjoyed kind of exploring both of those outlets and ended up getting a job as a financial analyst, um, staying in the Dallas, Texas area, working for a global chemical and plumbing supply company. And I worked there for about three years, um, seeing success through a variety of promotions. And that's just through taking a lot more responsibility and constantly being hungry for more work and asking for more. Um, this role was pretty diverse in that you got to wear a lot of hats. And, and this company was kind of like small to medium sized. Um, so in regards to the financial analysis, you really got to own a lot of your portion in regards to like every aspect of the P&L, building your balance sheet, cash flow, you got like full exposure to all kind of um, financial inner workings of the company. Um, but in addition to that, we also freed up a lot of time to do a lot of like data analysis and kind of um, 
ad hoc modeling. And so it really provided a great foundation for kind of just general business frameworks. Yeah. Um, which was really great. I, I kind of learned about a year and a half, two years into it though, that, uh, the chemical and plumbing industry was not my dream industry. Oh, really? Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, they, they say go back to your kindergarten. What do you want to be when you grow up? That was, that was unfortunately not my answer. Chemical and plumbing financial <laughs> analyst. Yeah, you know, it's not everyone's dream. Um, and so I kind of spent some time thinking about what it is that I really liked and enjoyed in life. And like, what really got it for me was I shared this cubicle wall with this guy named Dave. And funny enough, um, I shared a wall with like all of our accountants. Dave was one mm -hmm. of our accountants and all of them were named David. Uh, all three, every single one was named David. All the Daves. <laughs> all the, yeah, I literally shared a wall with all the Daves. And one of the Daves was an older guy who'd worked there for 40 years and really like, he didn't look too hot. Um, <laughs> definitely was not like, he was heading into retirement, but it was at this point where he was like, I don't give an F about anything at work. I'm just like gonna be this old weapon guy. He's just exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and he was great, but it was like, yeah, I've been working here for like 30 or 40 years and I'm about to retire. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to be that dude who's at this place for 30 or 40 years. Like, yeah. I want to focus on stuff that I really enjoy and what I want to do. Like, if I'm going to be doing something day in, day out for the rest of my life, I might as well choose something that I, you know, doesn't feel like work that I'm I want to actually. Somewhat passionate about, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the whole thing, like you want to work, but then end the day not realizing that you just spent the day working. Mm -hmm. um, so I took a hard look over what my, my general interests were and things that I spend my time, like my free time doing, my free time researching. And that, that really came down to cannabis, video games, and music. Like those are the things that I built my entire community in Dallas around, my entire yeah. friend group around. Um, like we'd always go to live music. Uh, we weren't really big drinkers. We never really went out to bars that much. We'd rather just like kind of hang out at someone's house and like share a joint, watch some TV and just kind of like catch up and play board games. Like that yeah. was, that was like our culture that we really established for ourselves. Um, so that was one that I really fell in love with. And that really kind of extrapolated or extrapolated more into like what I was looking for professionally. I mean, I, I, I followed the market. You think about all these big video game players, these cannabis industry, how it's developing and evolving. And mm -hmm. that was what I enjoyed looking at day to day. Um, so like going so I over figured, financial numbers for those were actually something that you would be intrigued by and interested in rather yeah. than going through chemical plumbing financial like <laughs> exactly i mean like if, if if i could see success in an industry where i didn't generally care about the underlying product but i was still able to like succeed and, and and grow and get a really mean like worthwhile experience like if i could apply this in an industry where i actually cared about what the underlying product was yeah i felt like i would have so much more ownership and i could make such a bigger impact of what what i was really doing what i want to put myself towards um so that was really what kind of got me started and really uh, passionate about pursuing my MBA was this opportunity to, you know, use it as a stepping stone to really get where I want to go. Yeah. And, and that's not like a, some end all, oh, I want to be rich. I want to make X money. It's like, no, I want to be in a situation where I'm immersing myself in an environment where I feel alive, where I'm thriving constantly and I'm, and I'm growing in ways that I know will help support me. Yeah. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I totally relate. That's more or less my same underlying reasons that I talked about with trying to go into the entertainment industry more for just 
having the actual passion for the work rather than necessarily like going for where the big bucks are or anything like that. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and so it really gave me this opportunity to take a look at these industries, really study them and figure out what I thought were feasible paths for me to go down with the, with the skills that I was building so far. Um, I, I looked at music and it was way too fragmented, way too messy and did not seem like a feasible outlet. So very hard to penetrate that. Yeah. Very difficult. And like just from my experience going to festivals and live shows, it, it just seemed like a mess. Oh yeah. All the I mean, time. I went down that route too and I was like, oh, there's <laughs> there's no organization here at all. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It, it just didn't seem like a very attractive option. Um not for an MBA at least. Not for an MBA. So video games and cannabis were our main ones, which were the main paths that I really decided to pursue. Um for my MBA decision. And with that, I just like, once I knew what I wanted to do, it just became, all right, what are the schools that will help support this? And it came down to a couple of West Coast, West Coast schools that I applied to. And um, at that point, it was kind of just like up to fate. It's like, all right, well, I know what I want. I'm happy with any of these schools that I'm applying to. Let's just see what, which has the most favorable option. And you, you were sort of targeting ones that did well in terms of placing within the video game industry. Because uh, I guess the games, the, I don't know. Had, did the cannabis industry have many like I guess metrics related to like oh, NBA? So <laughs> NBA I, placements? absolutely not. I mean, like the cannabis industry is still evolving. I mean, it, it's it's such an nascent industry. Like it's it's startup all around. Like yeah. even if you have these bigger players, they're still basically toddlers as they're trying to figure out how to operate within an industry that's constantly trying to it's push just them back down. Very small game entrepreneurs that are trying to just get different footholds in the market, but the market even is changing daily because of yeah. all these different sort of regulations and just restrictions. Dude, it's, it's madness. Um, but I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a, it's really, literally a rat race. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. And it's so scrappy and um, there's just so many opportunities to let your personality shine through it, which is what I've really found. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really was kind of more banking on the video game aspect of it. There's just more information kind of going into school and it seemed yeah. like there was, Mego was already in existence. Um, so there were prospects and I knew there'd be resources. So I wrote my entire grad essays on video games. I didn't even try to do it from a cannabis perspective. That seems way too high risk um, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> from an admission standpoint, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I mean, knowing what I know now, it, it might be, I think it would probably be accepted, especially considering that like MCIC is now in existence. So yeah. we're trying to promote that as an active recruiting track. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was an interesting journey kind of coming to this position of like, all right, this is what I want to be doing with my life now. Okay. And uh, so we kind of know why, like what sort of industries you're targeting. Is there a reason why you're targeting West, West Coast schools specifically? Because I know you're in Dallas and you're from DC, so. So, I mean, my options were to go back to, uh, so if you think about like video games and cannabis as like, kind of like the Venn diagram, which ones support cannabis, which ones support video games? And then what are the states that overlap in these situations? It's like, okay, there's, there's Washington because it has Microsoft and it's sure. also legal out there. You have California, yeah. which is kind of the capital of both of them. Um, and then you have varying states kind of spread throughout, like a couple of video game ones in Texas, some on the East Coast. Um, but it just seemed like everything was really centralized around California. So that really just made it a natural choice for me in regards to um, 
where the best fit would be. Okay, that explains that a lot more then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about the overlap, and definitely D.C. is probably not the best place to go for that, and I think the only school there would be Georgetown, too, which I don't know yeah. has a very relevant video game industry pipeline. Yeah, it's not too established, at least yet. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, so we kind of know now what sort of brought you to Marshall, uh, where you came from. So the long journey you had from D.C. to uh, aspiring for <laughs> to your job that you aspired to since you were five years old of working for a plumbing and chemical yeah, company. Yeah, uh, the dream. <laughs> to now coming out all the way west to L.A. Um, I'm just trying to go, trying to make a full west loop around the world, you know? in the west direction i mean i'm i'm right along for the ride with you because i was in dc for three <laughs> years so i'm sort of like following your footsteps here too um is there anything let's see i kind of want to ask a question around like living in dc versus dallas versus la so yeah go for it what what is sort of like um hmm, that's a good question to ask around that what's uh What's like the the food staple that you would go to? It's like, what was like your go-to breakfast in DC? And did that change when you moved to Dallas? And has that now changed again once you've moved to LA? Well, breakfast, that, that's funny. Breakfast is like the one thing that I, I like will routinely make for myself, except when I'm in DC. Uh, <laughs> I will always go to this place called Jetty's. It's like right near Georgetown, um, really close to where I live, like mm -hmm. probably like five, 10 minute walking distance. And that's just become like a family stable for the last like 10, 15 years. They have every, just like the dopest breakfast sandwiches and just all kinds of sandwiches, all like Nantucket themed too. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll like always routinely go there, but breakfast is actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So we'll call Jetty's Washington DC. Yep. Texas is all breakfast tacos. I mean, that oh, was like right. my life was breakfast tacos <laughs> and breakfast burritos. And that was, that was like my first foray into breakfast tacos. And I have never looked back like that. Was I such remember, a staple. I remember when people were like, when I think Taco Bell came out with like their breakfast menu and everything, everyone was like, what, who would have like breakfast tacos? And I was like, <laughs> dude, Denver and Texas have been doing that for years. <laughs> They've been doing it for years. Like they, they're, they already know that's a successful formula. Like that, that did not just come from Taco Bell. They did not just make yeah. that up. <laughs> so then in California, um, man, I've really gone kind of like freestyling it here. Like this is the first time where I've been like having to make my own breakfast each morning before coming to school and everything. I haven't had like a restaurant nearby that I can constantly go to. Like in Texas, I either ate at school or my, my company had a cafe. I would have okay. breakfast that was subsidized. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a three and a half dollar giant omelet. That makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely doable. Yeah. But there's nothing subsidized about the on-campus food at USC. So no, no, it is very much not subsidized. <laughs> uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you'll go from like jetty sandwiches to breakfast tacos to a guest like shitty starbucks breakfast sandwiches <laughs> the true the true sign of a struggle for <laughs> an nba student you just don't even know what the meaning of breakfast is anymore yeah the degradation of my breakfast experience i'm pretty sure i wasn't eating breakfast when i was going to class at the time i would just have like a a power bar or something just grab coffee and try to make it through yep <laughs> <laughs> one core class at a time Okay. So 
yeah, now that we know a little bit more about you and I sort of a little bit about the different locations where you sort of grew up and lived in. Uh, before we get into more martial specific and club stuff, uh, we'll break up the show a little bit to enter our next portion, which is Name That Nug. Oh, so, boy. I have here 100 cannabis strains to try before you die. And so I'm going to pick a few that sort of uh, stick out to me and read you a brief description from which you have that description to sort of try to narrow down what a possible name would be. So, All right. I'll give it my just, best shot. Let me just control F the first one here. Nope, not that one. Okay. So, um, the strain type is a hybrid. Okay. And it combines the potent and flavorful forces of its parent strains. The smell is likened to fresh apple and mango with an overarching flavor profile mixing pineapple, pine, and cedar. This hard-hitting sativa-dominant hybrid provides a long-lasting energetic buzz, perfect for productive afternoons and creative escapes. Uh, pineapple OG. That's uh, probably as close as you're going to get to it. <laughs> it's not pineapple OG, but it's... It's, citrus, it's something OG. No, no, no. You're right with the pineapple part. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, frick. Um, it's a very, like, oh, duh. Pineapple diesel? No. Uh, what is it? I'm going to feel bad if I tell you because you already got so close. <laughs> Damn it. Um, pineapple. The reason the strain is a fan favorite. Um, pineapple cookies. <laughs> no. uh, all right. Whatever. Make me feel stupid. Pineapple Express. <laughs> Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I do feel stupid. <laughs> well, like, damn it. That's all it says. Like, I'm trying uh, to pick the obvious ones, dude. <laughs> literally, I'm only picking the ones where it's like, I've, I've actually seen it before. Like, oh, so. I've seen that one before. Yeah. Um, okay, so air towards movie streams. Movie strains. <laughs> movie strains. All right. <laughs> This one is another hybrid, um, blah, 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 also referred to as blank, is another tantalizing hybrid cannabis strain. Blue Dream. No. Damn it. <laughs> That's worked once. <laughs> this, this Bay Area native tends to bloom in dark purple hues illuminated by fiery orange hairs and a shining white coat of crystal resin. A white oh. coat? White coat of crystal resin, Sh shining white coat. Novice consumers may want to approach this THC powerhouse with caution. Uh, also known as like a, this is, is a great dessert strain. Cause it's a sweet floral bud with hints of fruit flavors that lead to extreme euphoria. Um, Gorilla glue? No, it's also referred to as Larry Bird. Oh, God, that is not going to help. 
from Cookie Fam Genetics. I guess is what uh, who created is it a, the. Is it a cookie? No, it's not a cookie. They have a parent strain if that narrows it down for you too. Yeah, I mean that'll give me half of the name probably. No, it won't. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Sunset Sherbert or Sherbet. Oh, uh, is there fruit in the name? Nope. Uh, gelato? Yeah, there you go. Really? Yeah, gelato. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> you patting yourself? <laughs> <laughs> the strain identifier. Um, got this one. This one might be an easy one, but I don't know. I'm just going off ones that I can identify. So yeah, go, uh, go, go for it. Right. Uh, so this one's an indica. So it's an indica strain that has gained notoriety in the U.S. and beyond for its heavy tranquilizing effects. The sweet hashish flavors with subtle notes of chocolate and coffee come through on the exhale as powerful relaxation takes over. Uh, stocky plant stature and bulky bud structure suggest Afghani descent, but its genetic origins aren't certain. Blah, blah, blah. Breeder whom the strain was named after states that it emerged just after 96 when its OG brand was hybrid pollinated an unknown indica strain obtained in New Orleans. Uh, GG number four? Nope. OG Kush? That's the parent strain. Oh, okay. So it was a, it was a, so it was when OG Kush was hybrid pollinated with an unknown indica strain obtained in New Orleans. The oh, New nice. Orleans, the New Orleans should hopefully be a hint for you. <laughs> I don't know if it would be though. <laughs> I don't know. You probably went to New Orleans. You're in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, my my uh my mom's <laughs> side of her family is from New Orleans actually. So I really feel like I should get this now. <laughs> <laughs> but now I just keep thinking of like something French or Creole or or bourbon. Mm, not really French. I think more just. Uh, New Orleans, Orleans. <laughs> probably, more, um, probably more Creole, I guess, than anything, but not necessarily Creole. Maybe just Southern. It just sounds Southern. Yeah. Oh, man. Does it have either OG or Kush in the name? It's got Kush. Uh... Lemon Kush? I have no idea. No. What is it? You got Bubba Kush. Ah, Bubba Kush. Man, there's a there's a whole um, what is it? There's like a diner in Dallas called Bubba's that became famous for uh, serving the Highland Park Jail breakfast, all the inmates' breakfast each morning. And so Highland Park was the area around SMU. Oh. Um, and I had some friends who were idiots. And became very familiar with Bubba's breakfast service. 
That's hilarious. <laughs> I became familiar with Bubba's breakfast service. All right, let's pick one more. We'll go with this one. Oh, come on. Damn it. All right, there we go. Okay. What website are you on? Um, Leafly.com. L E A F L Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Leafly. Were, were, you, question, were you questioning the. Uh... <laughs> the validity of all these? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get these. Wait, what's your source? <laughs> it doesn't sound like Bubba Kush at all. Uh, so this one is, another, is a sativa and sometimes called like that's gonna give away is an invigorating sativa dominant strain named for its pungent uh diesel-like aroma uh this fast acting strain delivers energizing dreamy cerebral effects that have pushed it to reach legendary status took root in the early 90s and is believed to have descended from chemdog 91 and super skunk okay that leads me to believe it's either lemon diesel or sour diesel which one are you going to go with? Sour Diesel. All right, that one's right. <laughs> yeah. The Diesel kind of gave it away. Yeah, but no, there's, the a, lot, there's a lot of Diesels. Away. There's a lot of Diesels out there. I wasn't sure how common the actual, like, Diesel name was. All right. Pretty common. So, I actually have both of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, out of that, you pretty, much, you pretty much did pretty well for yourself. Yeah, two, two, two to four. After testing your knowledge, you, you probably, I would say you came out on top with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Pineapple Express will haunt you, but you know. Yeah, it's probably until I die, but that's okay. <laughs> All we right. We all have our demons. So thank you for playing Name That Nug. That was actually a lot more fun because you were very knowledgeable of that. So didn't feel like <laughs> I was just trying to hammer I, you down with the impossible ones. I was surprised I uh, did as well as I did. <laughs> all right. So now moving on to more Marshall or uh, the Canvas Club specific stuff. Um, so at least for you. What classes or clubs have been the most impactful in preparing you for your future career as uh, an entrepreneur looking to get into the cannabis industry? Um, I actually might reframe that to be more like, not just entrepreneur for cannabis, but also for video games. Because True. as I mentioned earlier, I, I was kind of pursuing both those paths and honestly kind of designed my curriculum in a way where I supported both of those. Okay. So because I didn't know then I wanted to have the luxury of the choice, even if that meant more work kind of upfront. Um, so I've taken, or at least gotten the opportunity to acquire a lot of experiences that I thought were extremely beneficial for both of those paths. Um, in regards to cannabis, I mean, honestly, starting the club has been probably the biggest um, benefit in regards to my search. Like, this has really opened the door for alumni to now come in and re-engage with USC mm -hmm. and the Marshall community and Marshall students. Um, and it's just clear that this, this was such a need because as soon as the, the doors were open, it's like we just had people flooding in, just asking like, hey, do you need speakers? Like, do you guys wanna have students come tour my facilities? Like, how can we help? How can we wow. connect with you guys? So like, there's, there was so much outreach from alumni. Um, that we it actually really have a lot just, of alumni already in this industry. 
Yeah, I mean, before this, this even started, um, some people started an alumni group called the Trojan Cannabis Network. It's on LinkedIn too. And before we joined, it was probably about 65 people deep um, yeah. of just random people within it. And as soon as this club came about, uh, Mark Brostoff, who's been kind of our, who's been our club uh, liaison um, and supporting us through this entire thing, uh, he put out a message like, hey, this is a club we're doing, or hey, we're, we're throwing these events. Is, is anyone interested? And just ways of people coming in being like, hey, how can I help? How can I help? How can I connect? Is there anything we can do or partner on? Um, so just being able to have that opportunity now to really re-engage with them and especially coming from Texas, where like, I'm just trying to understand the industry from an outside view, like from what I can simply Google and yeah. for people who know the industry, that's almost impossible. Like the, it's, it's such a black box right now. And if you don't know someone in it or you aren't currently working in it, then it's so challenging to get information. So just now having this, this open access to industry professionals is such a tremendous asset because now we actually have access to all this incredibly critical information to help our students really prepare themselves for the industry. Damn. So that really like just opening that hole up really got the ball rolling for you guys. It was just Holy crap. Media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when it comes down to like local meetup groups too, like the cannabis industry is so network heavy. Um, but I literally went to a single local meetup group. Um, this group called the Southern California cannabis business investment group was actually started by a USC alumni um, whose his main purpose in, is just to help entrepreneurs start off and succeed in the industry. But the first meeting I went to, I wore a USC Marshall shirt and walked away with like six or seven connections. People were like, <laughs> Hey, I want to talk with you. What are you doing on campus? Like, how can I help? So on and so forth. So, um, I mean, just now having this as a resource is, is such a value add, I think. Um, and hopefully we'll start to just curate more opportunities and events for other people to benefit in the same way. Um, so that's the cannabis front yeah. from the video game front. Um, luckily Miga has already kind of put forward a lot of actions to help people, um, kind of curate those experiences that the industry is looking for. So as an example, we have a really close knit program with AGP, it's, uh, advanced games projects with yep. the Turby. Um, where some students are able to take on the role as a producer and kind of help steer the direction and development of a video game. So I've been able to take on that role as a producer for a video game and kind of help steer that this entire year, uh, which really gave you firsthand experience on managing, I mean, a team of like 30 people. Like right now, yeah, yeah right now, I think, I mean, teams go from design, narrative, usability, art, um, engineering, and all of them are about four to five people deep and being able to then like communicate with all the leads from different teams, thread together people's work to like, in like an integrated product and like figure out how to deal with crises and in like last second pivots. Like that is such a meaningful takeaway from this experience. And even though I'm not going into video games anymore, like having that Still is already, yeah, yeah, it's so crucial. Like, like, learning how to manage people but also manage situations that are out of your control when someone mm -hmm. comes by and it's like yo reduce the scope can't do that anymore like figure out how to cut it like needing to learn how to do that how to manage these types of requirements um and then also communicate them to your team even when that might not be good news that you're delivering yeah that's um, probably the better skill to have uh practice with in your uh academic career rather than yeah yeah like, like real life 
trial by fire in the actual <laughs> yeah real life takeaways and so that's been something that's so that, that's been so rewarding it's been a lot of work way more than i expected um but i mean hey this is the time to try things out so i'm really glad that i did it uh additionally video game entrepreneurship as a class has been incredible um the professor is just so knowledgeable all the classes are engaging if you're a video game nerd like i am this is literally heaven um <laughs> just crazy cool speakers like i wrote an article that could be published in various news sources for video game blogs or whatever it might be like it just gives you so many real life experiences and uh last class too has been my entrepreneurial finance class um so currently i'm trying to build a company a personal cannabis analytics software um and kind of do that full time and so being able to really learn about how to raise money, how to really organize your finances, like build a model that's like robust enough to accommodate scale if you ended up happening, um, or if you get lucky enough to um, kind of like make it, like being able to take all these considerations into play uh, has mm -hmm. been so important. And the professor is also awesome, uh, Arthur Quarterweg. But those I feel like have been ones where, and again, this is kind of biased because I already come from a business background, yeah, so, so like a lot of the finance skills too. Yeah, like like backgrounds finance. So a lot of the core stuff has been stuff I've already gone through. So what I'm really looking for have been these kind of supplemental classes to really round out like what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd say the video game entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial finance one um, have just provided me with some amazing tools to really help prepare me for that. Nice. All right. And so I guess diving a little bit more into the Canvas Club. So we now know that's a brand new club on campus. And so uh, the first year of operations are currently underway. So yep. I'm more curious about hearing uh, what the process was that you went through to get this whole club approved, because I know there's probably some people out there that might be thinking about getting their own club started in the future, or uh, maybe there's a club that's not being offered that they think should be. So I'm more curious yeah. to see what the steps were that you went so through. So it's, it's been a really interesting process. Um, because we're obviously navigating something that's kind of socially risky. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like part of our biggest pillar is destigmatization. It's, it's like changing the entire narrative around cannabis usage. Um, and so we've kind of had to walk a narrow line in regards to how we're able to market ourselves, what we're able to communicate, like the kind of events we're allowed to throw, especially when you are considering that you need to have the USC Marshall logo on it sometimes. Um, like the blunt rolling and joint rolling. Yeah, one. exactly. Like we're not calling it blunt rolling and joint rolling. We're calling it B-L-R-J-J-O-R-101. Like, okay. yeah, like we're, <laughs> we're trying to like maintain some sense of professionalism because we want to remind people like, hey, we're not just a bunch of, we're, we're people who end up enjoying this the same way that some people might enjoy having a beer or something. Yeah. And we're merely just like, um, there's no difference. We're just happening to enjoy a different experience. Yeah. Um, but really communicating that to people who are unaware, like education is such an important aspect of this. So I, I think that's provided some additional barriers, which may not necessarily be relevant towards some other clubs, but in regards to the generate, like just the general steps, I feel like there's a lot to take away. Um, we were an industry club, which means that it wasn't just like social and interests. Like we actually are trying to, put a really big emphasis over education and recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that we really needed to show the school, because there's such a high bar for the requirements and like the proposal process was honestly pretty rigorous. 
Um, but making sure that you had like already set events in place uh, through the year that you could show like, hey, we've already been doing stuff through the year. Like basically our whole proposal was like, listen, this is what we've done this year, which is very similar to another club. We've thrown lunch and learns, we've hosted, uh, like brought in speakers for panels and stuff. We've hosted social events, like happy hours for alumni. Like we're doing all these other things that a normal club would do, except we're just a normal club. We just don't have this actually, this official registration with the school. So you're already sort of doing these events and social events sort of like on your own through your own channels rather than through a proper like club organization. Yeah. And, and it was a lot more challenging because we obviously don't have access to the typical resources that most clubs do, AKA campus groups, like club funding, like any of the GSG funding or like yep. whatever it might be. We just didn't have like any funding basically. So we were entirely dependent upon really like the faculty or staff who are willing to put their, um, who are willing to support us. So for lunches and everything like that. And, and it definitely provided some challenges because like we've had some guests who were like, oh, there's not enough speakers for a lunch, which means that there's not enough demand. So we don't think it's a good idea for us to come. And it's like, well, students still want to see you like yeah there's 10 people and it's not the 15 required for a lunch but like people still want to see you yeah so there's like really weird kind of like give and takes where um you end up suffering as a result of not kind of having it but i think still just operating like a club like finding someone some faculty or staff who will support you and then and who believes in like what you're trying to do and then just trying to do it without the official registration status like just throw those events, build the community because when it comes down to really propose it to the school, they're going to be like, all right, what have you done? Like how big would your potential class be? Like how much would you charge? Like just, just, I think creating it like it's a normal club and trying to operate it that way yeah, is like the necessary steps to prove to the school, Hey, this has longevity to it. This actually has momentum. Like this could be a thing. Yeah. So taking the entire, like, in purpose of the club alone like out of it just setting up like a standard industry club to sort of show that the underneath maybe sort of what people might perceive from the outside it pretty much operates and is the exact same as any other club here at marshall exactly like that that is exactly it and i mean one of the biggest things that we got just grilled on to i mean our our proposal was supposed to be 10 minutes of presenting 10 minutes q a and it was 10 minutes of presenting and 40 minutes of q a holy crap it was oh my god I mean, it was just one after the other, like, well, the, the biggest concern was, what are you going to do? Like, sure, you guys might be passionate about this, but what do you do if you can't sustain that? Because there's obviously a big problem right now with a lot of clubs where they're struggling to maintain the leadership to continue its, its longevity. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, what are you going to do about that? It's like, what am I going to do to ensure that in two years that there's still people that want to be a part of this? It's like, I... Like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to do the best that I can while I'm here and try to support that. But like, I can't guarantee you that in two years, there's going to be someone who comes in that's completely emblazoned by the whole cannabis industry and wants to. I argue it. that for almost any club, actually. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like it is, it is um, risk that is not particular to the cannabis club. It's risk that's mitigated by having quality events and good speakers and making sure that it's a club that people felt like their dues were being used appropriately. So exactly. And, and, and my, the my most own, out of their experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the way that that's operated will depend club to club. Um, 
but ultimately I think that's just the, the key to success here. Well, happy to hear that you guys made it through that gauntlet, but <laughs> and <laughs> are now, and now officially an industry club here at Marshall. Uh, so for, I guess our last question is, uh, I guess you briefly touched upon it a little bit, but I was hoping you could go more into the strategic plan that you were thinking of developing for the first year of operation for the cannabis club. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually really excited about my vision for the cannabis club. Um, the general theme for the year is just going to be partnerships. I mean, we're the first year in existence right now and yep. we are an industry that covers everything from venture investments, marketing, yep. supply chain, op like we are an industry club that touches every aspect of it. And we're also like an entrepreneurial club or an entrepreneurial industry too. Mm -hmm. So like there's so much overlap and so to kind of back up, our main three pillars are uh, education, recruitment, and destigmatization. Yep. So all of our events are supposed to be in support of these primary pillars. And we believe that because of this opportunity to really like partner with everyone, we want to solidify our community, really solidify our position within Marshall and just like, I don't know, enforce, like kind of really see ourselves as like an established portion of it. And that's just going to yeah. come down to partnering with as many clubs as we can for all the events that support these three primary pillars. Um, and so when it comes down to lunch and learn, speaking panels, like social, social events, um, we are interested in partnering with everyone that we possibly can. So both from and a social perspective as well as other industry clubs as well. Absolutely everything. I mean, when it comes to any kind of professional event, yes, like, something that I'm very interested in doing is um, like a marketing cannabis, because like, how do you necessarily like push out this information and advertise to students when it's still kind of like a risque topic? Yeah. Um, partner with GMA. Like I want to have like a women leaders in cannabis as well. Partner with GWIB. Like yep. there, there's so many opportunities to partner and that's exactly what our goal is for this next year is to try to establish as many of these partnerships as we possibly can. So if you are a club leader in another club and you want to partner, please reach out. Um, <laughs> Ramon Anurag is our chief of internal relations who covers most of this and his job is literally just to establish as many connections and opportunities as possible. So we are open to it. I mean, he's, he's also the chief financial officer too for the MGSA. So yeah, he is, he is a stud and a half. Um, <laughs> I was pulling that off. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he, he, yeah, I swear to God, he's got one of those uh, tools that Hermione has from. <laughs> he has a little, oh, God, I can't remember it now. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember it Damn either. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> that's going to bother me. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, fuck it still no okay we're moving on uh, so, uh well that's great to hear that you like i definitely like the uh the idea of going through a partnership so almost like a grassroots campaign to really like establish yourself as an omniscient presence here on campus and uh almost like grassroots grass yeah so it'll almost like <laughs> it'll do a really good job of almost marketing yourselves as a club too from other students that are in these other industry clubs as well so uh definitely think that's a smart route to go, especially when you're trying to really maximize uh, your visibility here on campus while still trying to pursue those three core pillars that you mentioned. So that's, that's the goal. Great job, man. Uh, so <laughs> that you. about, that'll about wrap it up for today's show. Uh, before we go though, there's two more things that we need to cover. 
So the first is as a thank you for joining me on 420 and taking time out of your lovely holiday. Thank uh, you for taking time <laughs> to interview me. I mean, uh, this is such an awesome experience. <laughs> I want to give you about uh, 30 seconds to a minute as like a floor for you to just promote whatever you want as a thank you for coming on the show. So you can do more about the Canvas Club or anything else that you have going on. Just uh, let the people know. Yeah. Um, I guess what I, what I want to say is, uh, just kind of re-echoing my point earlier, like if, if you are a member of another club and you see an opportunity where um, we could really have some synergy with, a, with an event, uh, we are so interested in partnering and would love to hear uh, any opportunity for that. Um, it's, it's been such an amazing year building up this club. And I mean, we have, we have such an incredible cast of members so far who have been able to come out and support. Um, everything we're doing, which has been so moving for me. Um, so I just want to thank everyone who's a part of the club, who's helped me kind of build this up. I mean, there's no way this would be in existence without all of the support that's been given. And so I really just want to use this to say thank you back to everyone else too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad everyone was able to help you out with this because True, <laughs> truly an awesome thing that you guys put together. You know, I'm really excited to <laughs> see you. how it grows. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing uh, you have, which I think you already have ready for me, is you get to pick a song of the night. So you get to choose a song that we use to play out the show. Hell yeah. Uh, I would like to choose um, Life Goes On by Manic Focus featuring Grizz. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, that about wraps it up for today's show. I've been your host, Fedge McDermott. And once again, thank you, Peter Casper, for coming on and talking to me about all things cannabis and Marshall here. for Thank you so much. Today. And then to play out today's show, we'll be playing Life Goes On by Manic Focus featuring Grizz. You rock. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. 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 Wow.